Well, some people's 7 out of 10 creative is another person's 10 out of 10 creative. Right. Someone's 1 out of 10 creative is someone else's 10. Yeah. And learning where you've got to pitch yourself. And um, uh, my, bo- my the boss I had before, my, my current one, we always used to talk about which version of me do you want. Do you want Greg, Gregor or Gregory? And Gregory was rolled out for when we think it was suits and ties and when it needed to be a bit more sincere. Gregor's somewhere in between and Greg's when we want to have a laugh with it. Greg, welcome to the podcast. Cool. Thank you for having me. It is all about creative minds. The The reason we came up with the podcast is, is it's quite a selfish excuse. I wanted to pick other creatives' brains about their process so I could kind of just learn and improve the creative process at Bear Jam, see if I can pick up any techniques. It was originally, oh, we'll just you know, just have a chat with a few people I know. That then turned into, oh, well, why don't we record it? Then that turned into, why don't we film it? Here we are in a studio doing a, you know, all all bells and whistles podcast. Well, nice. It feels suitably bougie, and I'm very happy to be on. Gutted not to be the first one, obviously, but I'll take being second to be asked. But I just noticed it says episode one on our little box set. Episode two, otherwise we could have we could have snuck you in to be the pilot never mind also we're we're non-compete aren't we so if i do tell you anything you nick it's not going to come back and yeah bite me yeah well we sometimes collaborate nice nice um but anyway we're in the studio shame we're not in the pub which is perhaps where it would have been if it was just the two of us but to be fair it's at least it is cooler in here which is a touch true really well air like the aircon in here is fantastic actually red red for a hairy gentleman this is vital continue yeah (laughs) um so to kick us off greg just Tell me a little bit about your where you are in your career and the path to get there, because I know it wasn't necessarily a traditional creatives route. No, no, it's actually more of a traditional creative to PR route, which we're seeing like less of now, actually. But so I'm creative director at Mischief, which is the consumer arm of, of MHP Group, which is part of Next Fifteen. So we're a big old comms industry, uh, comms industry beer moth giant there's loads of people we range from everything from corporate comms to public affairs to consumer and like yeah it, such was the pandemic also lots of health too so that's where I'm at I'm at now before then I was at an agency called Ready 10 which was again a traditional PR PR um, agency but with a lean towards sort of SEO but I think as they've grown they've sort of grown out of the SEO bit a little bit more and that was my sort of first proper only creative route before then i was at synergy which was a sports marketing company um who again like they were a creative sports marketing company but i didn't really have i was an account director there and then i got a creative stuck in the front of it because they recognized that um and then before that it was six years at frank which is i think where i realized that i loved the creative side of it because they were they they would they poignantly until very recently refused to have a creative director because they were of the opinion that this whole agency is creative and therefore not everyone they thought had an equal creative route and eventually I persuaded them that not all creatives are equal and that there should be a creative that they're coming through that's when it came through and then I started my career at, um at Blue Rubicon who are now Tenio which was a corporate PR company and okay Quite a change. Yeah, that, that was a weird change. And I think looking back on it, I don't think I should have been 21 years old working in corporate PR. It was a, I'm barely grown up enough now at 35, but at 21, I was definitely not grown up enough. But 
Yeah, I can't imagine the 21-year-old Greg. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it's, it's like this, only marginally less hairy, but everything else is basically sort of the same. But no, it was great. It was, uh, that's why I, I cut my teeth. So you learn a lot about storytelling in corporate PR and mm. how comms, especially at the very highest level, can really influence an entire business's performance all the way through to like Frank and Mischief, who are a lot more consumer-based. And so the, sort of the experience I've got, from a creative side of things, is seeing how creative works in loads of different um, loads of different settings, and I think that's the. If I was to pat myself on the back for anything, it's that I can be serious, I can be silly, I can be funny. I think that's reflective of the background that I've had. Right, because you've seen it from a number of different sides. Yeah, and it's um, it's about finding out what what some people's seven out of ten creative is, another person's ten out of ten creative, right. and what someone's one out of ten creative is, someone else's ten. Yeah. And learning where you've got to pitch yourself. And um, uh, my, bo my the boss I had before, my, my current one, we always used to talk about which version of me do you want. Do you want Greg, Gregor or Gregory? And Gregory was rolled out for when we think it was suits and ties and when it needed to be a bit more sincere. Gregor's somewhere in between and Greg's when we want to have a laugh with it. And I thought I sort of found that if Mischief is Greg, MHP is much more Gregory and I level out at Gregor. But yeah probably my least favorite of the name variants you can have there but <laughs> who have we got today uh i think you're gonna have predominantly greg but if you right. ask me like a serious one i'll give you a smidge of gregor okay and gregory is very rarely seen on a friday right okay unless we so need why to is, say why is a monday guy? yeah yeah gregory's very monday <laughs> yeah fair enough so i mean he's often furious at friday greg <laughs> as well like what well, oh yeah well, <laughs> Did you see what Greg did on? Yeah, in fact, well, what Greg didn't do on Friday <laughs> <laughs> tends to be more of it, but yeah. Uh, so, a kind of a, a long-ish, very career. Um, feels like just getting started, though. When creative director, I know Mischief described themselves as a creative PR agency. Yeah. So they obviously put the emphasis on creative. Does that, and you're you know, creative director at the top of that yeah. pyramid, does that, does that come with pressure? Yeah, it does, because I think it should do. And it's like, especially, look, if you're called a creative PR agency and you're not creative, you'll get found out pretty quick. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it does. It's like, but at the same time, it's like, I'm, I'm quite confident in, like, I'm confident in my own ability, having cut my teeth for however long. So you've sort of got to back yourself a little bit. So, yeah, it's like the pressure comes. But I felt pressure a lot more when I was younger. And what I find, like, managing younger creatives really interesting is they're still at that stage where like yeah, this really could go wrong and like you see your stuff go wrong. So whereas I feel like I've seen a lot go wrong and therefore I'm less worried about stuff. So the pressure comes down a notch. I find I, I now have a different sort of pressure, which is like I really want like the guys and girls that I manage to be really, really good. And mm. I sort of like you get managed alongside that rather than the ideas you come up because I think by the time you reach the level of creative director, you should have probably had a few good ideas in your time. And then the reason you're a creative director, not a creative, is you're meant to be fostering an environment and a, and people to get up to a standard that you want that's reflective of an agency that calls itself a creative agency. And so, there's, yeah, there's pressure, but I don't feel it on my shoulder so much as a, you must come up with ideas. Yeah, because okay. you, you're, putting that on the on the juniors well, yeah, now well, you, should, you must come yeah, up with the it's ideas like, it's just like here have my pressure <laughs> like <laughs> it's um but no that's how i learn yeah. and i got and i think i get this feedback a lot about me is to let let it go a little bit more and i was and it's bizarre because i always felt i was given really loose 
I was given what's the word, what's the phrase? I was given, I was given free reign, especially at Frank. Yeah. They let you very young make your own mistakes and go through. And I was, I remember occasionally feeling a bit exposed by that, but actually long term, I really benefited from that in terms of where you cut your teeth. And same at somewhere like Ready Ten, which it was, it was like had a very sort of when I was there had a real sort of startup mentality. And that meant with the type of clients you had, you had a lot more freedom to mm. express yourself and come through. And when I was there, we won um, we won McDonald's, which was like an amazing moment for this agency. But I remember thinking like we'd pitched this in a very not McDonald's-y way. It felt like it was very true to us. And so it's it's different that you get different sort of pressures as you go through. Like I, I don't, yeah, I don't lie up or lie awake thinking about my job in that respect. I just, I just really like it. That was going to be my yeah. next question. You know, do you do you still like it? Do you do you uh, love it? Like, does it? So I thought, like, of course. Like, I wouldn't be. I, I think, like, look. So what am I? I'm thirty. I'm thirty-five now. I still have. I still am rarely out energyed in a room. Like, I, I think that's a responsibility you sort of have to bring the energy and come through. And that, and that can be like a high energy, or it can be a calming energy, and you go through it. I, and I without getting too deep on it, like I had like a really nasty health scare last year. And I remember coming out of that and being like, oh, why do I still care about this Robert Dias pitch when I nearly died? And right. it's like, and it's like, actually, that's really good that I still care about this Robert Dias pitch. It's like, I must really like my job. And that's great. And I think I vibe off other people liking it. Do you know what I mean? It's like I've just before we got in this room, I've just seen that our Cardo team have got a load of coverage on the Daily Mail, and like there is a team they are bouncing off each other. And I vibe off that as much as I do like vibe with success. It's like one thing I speak to one of my peers about a lot is sometimes you get promoted beyond the thing you're best at, and so my thing has always been like I love coming up with ideas, and that's the thing. And it's like, and actually, the higher you come up, the less ideas you come up with, yeah. and the more. Yeah fostering of other people you 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 do and like and i just thought I've like, i like setting a standard for it i like it's constantly evolving like obviously we're talking a lot at the moment about the value of ai and creativity and what that means and i and i'm like i, I just there isn't a world where you can convince me that ai is going to take over human ideas because one i think you can do a provenance job on it anyway and say that our ideas are handcrafted or made from, you basically say these are organic ideas, yeah. like made from genuine humans. And I think you'll get it there, but it's just like, you just can't convince me. AI has no lived experience. And so it can replicate and replicate and replicate, but all you're ever gonna get is inauthenticity. And so I don't feel that fear from it because it's such a human industry we work in. And so. So I just wanna pick up, so on ideas, where, can you talk me through where you get your ideas? What's your process? So it, it varies. So I, like I'm process light because I think you you should be like I've I've seen amazing ideas come from really well structured brainstorms. Mm. I've seen some of the best ideas come from someone was in a bath or on the toilet and the camera was like, oh my god, I've got this great idea. And yeah. you're like, oh my god, how'd you come up with it? So, right. So I was staring at the bathroom floor. I'm like, yeah, of course <laughs> you were. Right. So you go through. So no, there is a process. It's like it's. But I, I think it's more important to know what a good idea is and how mm. that makes you feel. Okay, let's start there. Yeah. So what, in PR, let's keep it on yeah. PR, what, like what is a good PR idea? So in its purest sense, a good idea is something that makes you feel something. And okay. like I, I like talking about, like we talk about like emotional levers, like we used to talk about personal, emotional and surprising, which was 
well, it's something but emotional for such a strong word. But like, if it's just like you know when you've seen it, and it's just like it either makes you think about something a bit differently, it excites you, makes you laugh, makes you cry, makes you laugh. It's just like you know a good idea if it makes you feel like it's, it's absolute core sense. A good idea could be a solution to something, and that's it. It's pure sense. But like, we're not always making solutions for stuff. Sometimes you're just there just to make someone laugh, and therefore I think you know it's a good idea if it makes you feel something, and that can be differently even if it makes you feel angry i think it might be a good idea as long as it was meant to make you feel angry and yeah. you it wasn't meant to make you laugh and now you're furious it's like that would be a disaster but like that's it in its purest sense i think it you know you've got something good when it makes you feel something and what's the best way to get to that then if you're not sat on the bog looking at the floor no so, so i think so i think you, ha you need to have a I, I think it's more important to have a sign-off process than an ideation process if you know what okay I mean. so it's a case of right in pr as well we have to think about where it's going to go mm. like so it's slightly different to advertising creative where advertising creative or marketing creative you know your stuff is going to get seen like because you're going to pay for a slot or you're going to pay for a print company you know it's going to get seen if you're in PR, like there's a chance you could come up with an idea that doesn't get seen. So you have to think about it from a channel point of view as well. So it has to be, is this intended for the front page of the sun? Is this intended for sport vibe? Is this social first? And everything else comes from that. So you've got to think, you have to think, we have one extra sign off point, which is, is it going to get approved by the earned, whoever it is that, earned, that holds the door? That gatekeeper, for, for your it's an editor Exactly, or yeah. yeah okay. So that's the extra bit sign-off process that goes to, into PR. It's like, yeah, this is a lovely idea, but is it newsworthy? Is it something that's going to make you stop and write about it? And, and quick comments. So that's really important. Process-wise, like we're, we've got a good brainstorming culture. Uh, I'm a big fan of putting people into pairs. Um, like I've always, I like creative pairs. I picked that up from um, uh, a guy called Mark Lewis at the School of Communication Arts in Brixton. I just saw them doing it, and it was really effective. And as someone who's quite extroverted and loud, it's like I try and pair people with extroverts and introverts so they speak to each other, so you don't have people shouting in the room. I also think that's a really good way of if you've got someone who I would call is like quietly creative who needs to think about it they don't get drowned out by someone like me who likes to think out loud mm. um and so you pair it off you send them away they come back and they pitch and present to each other and i think right so you might have one brief and then a couple of different pairs working on the same brief and then bring them back together exactly that and i think right. if you're if you're and then you pitch at your peers and especially important in pr because again like you need to be as good as the junior or the account executive or the account manager that's still speaking to the media. And that's my biggest creative fear is that I lose touch of what the what's happening in the media world to go in. Because, I mean, you might have seen this a little bit, but there was a period in, like, the early tensies where actually even, unless it was more modern, let's say it's from 2010 to 2015 and a little bit beyond that, Media were saying to us, like, oh, give us video content. Video content is news. Just give us really good video content. And now you can't just sell in a video. Like, it has to be story. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's basically, there isn't that video editing job on the mirror sites as much anymore. Yeah. So you make really good content still, but that tends to be more for social, not straight for editorial. Yeah, so it's definitely evolved from those times, I think. So, yeah, something that we see in the kind of the, I mean, and part of that is like how branded something is. Yeah, yeah. Is, has 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 changed as well. I think in that period. No, it's, it's, it's interesting. So you, 
you it would appear to be a bit is really important in PR because I've got to be, I might have come up with this really lofty idea that would have got a shed load of coverage in my time. But now I need someone to say to me, like, Greg, like, that won't work anymore. Like, this journalist needs this, this journalist needs this. So we need to tweet the idea like that. Yeah. And so the peer review part of creativity becomes, like, really important because you've got to convince your peers that it won't end in a being told to bugger off by a journalist, which, or worse. I think this, and the, a big struggle with PR and something that I always feel sorry for the PR people when, you know, they've got a great idea great concept great campaign deliver it but then the news agenda shifts there's been a big story lands and however good the you know the campaign piece was oh no it's yeah. we've had to wipe it it's, it's off the it's off the agenda because we've got to talk about this yeah no we had it like margaret thatcher dying once ended a like a couple of hundred grand campaign for me which Did was it? it felt very anti-thatcher that because she's quite pro-business but like yeah. really yeah, shattered it. Client was left wing though, so maybe she got her. But like it was yeah. like But no, it happens. And yeah. it's like and I've seen it happen in like the dirtiest of ways when you're just like you've just been really, really unlucky. Like, yeah, pray for anyone that had a showbiz story this week. And Yeah. Yeah, it's like you like it's what's it Schofield's now had like two solid weeks of that means two solid weeks of you not talking like coronation, another one like that. We I'm going to shamelessly nick a phrase from a guy called Nick Russell, but he referred to it as mayhem, where May right. has been absolutely appalling. Like, yeah. in terms mayhem of mayhem, like that. Yeah, it is good, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, actually, that was mine. <laughs> um, it's just like it was carnage. Like, you had coronation into a home Eurovision, into Schofield, into every. Like, it's, like it was a, there was also the point of politics paralysis where you literally couldn't get stuff away. There was no other news other than which prime minister is messed up now. Mm. And that, it can it can hit you. Like more often than not, like, if you're dealing in consumer goods, there's always more room in the paper and there's always more news than going through. It's just like, there can be times when it's tight. And because the journalist pool is shrinking, you will find that more journalists are uh, writing about three or four subjects rather than one or two. And so a big news story can take out your consumer editor because they've got to do the consumer view on what does this mean for, what does this big political thing mean for the consumer rather than what does this lovely fluffy consumer campaign mean yeah. about we've just made a giant chocolate Easter bunny and put it in a village called Bunny in Nottingham. Yeah. And, like, and you don't want to cover this anymore because we've got a new prime I minister. I saw that. Nice, yeah, it was nice really piece. good, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Luckily, there was, we were perfect for the and finally section. Okay. There. So yeah. it, it worked nicely. So after having been told like, everything is awful and doom, doom, doom. And finally, there's a giant chocolate bunny in Nottingham. And you're like, yay. Like, yeah. so. So, how, so when you're, you know, working on the, the creative idea, I guess you need to have that, as well as knowing like, where's it intended for, getting the timing right and having that visibility. Yeah. Of, okay, Eurovision's coming. It's not related to that, but that's going to be dominating. How do we navigate that? Yeah. I guess it's, it's just something else to throw in the mix yeah and like you you both you mitigate for it but it's just like you, you also make like some judgment calls it's like there, there's like there is media space for more than one story mm. and so you can mitigate but like say for example if you had a i don't know if you had a press release about something music related and it was launching the week of eurovision i think you should be advising your client to maybe not launch it that week and yeah let's go straight after because eurovision's like it's a weekend and then it's gone yeah so you could delay that and you can go each way it's 
the things you've got to be more careful about are just what's the word best way of putting it it's like is not putting a time limit on that you don't have to that you don't strictly have to adhere to and i don't think you see we have a, we see that a lot with client behavior but also pr agencies are guilty of it where it's just like this must run now this week whereas actually we see it more and more sell-ins have got Sorry, when I say selling, I'm referring to the act of like t getting your story to media. It's calling the journalist. Yeah, calling the, the journalist. Hard, the hard work. Doing the doing the doing the hard hack yeah. sort of thing. It's, I don't like calling it a selling though because it implies it's a sales exchange. When actually, if we've done our job right, it's what they want. They should be buying a hand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's no money exchanged, so it's like it's not really sell. But that's the phrase. And I've noticed that they've got a little less time sensitive. And so if a story, okay. it used to be like oh, if it's you've you've put it out on a monday and it didn't land on the tuesday therefore this story is now dead whereas more often than not now it's just because again it's a timing thing it's journalists will hold a story find a new hook for it and so give a really lovely example we did an idea around um we did an idea for a cardo which was we basically got um they're really big they, they've got a fantastic record on sustainability and food waste and we did this whole idea about using the dregs of your food and turning it into gourmet meals for birds and for birds yeah, okay. yeah. so it's nice. really cute you got yeah. like, obviously like you got little tiny plates with like <laughs> we'd been food arted to make you know, and we knew what's the obsession with pr with either making tiny things or massive things you play to your audience <laughs> journalists love big to small yeah like things. Okay. people go mad for it like it's like but at least were cute actually some of them were quite big but like yeah, yeah you, you got the gist but okay. we did it with the rspbb rspb Hang on, no, I've given them an extra B. Just the RSP yeah. <laughs> How many birds were there? No, just B. Just B. <laughs> like, like, and um and we timed it with the great uh, bird count, which is an RSPB initiative okay. to basically be like and you count the bird. And we got loads of coverage in line with that. And then I was like, but then three weeks later we were still getting coverage for it because we had it in our heads to oh it'd be so great to partner with the RSPB and link this up with the great bird watch mm. and uh, media were like yeah birdwatch was a nice touch but it's also it's just spring isn't it like and you're yeah. just like yeah no, it is just spring and so it kept on having that longevity so you can you can force yourself into a corner a little bit of a time where you sometimes don't have to yeah um yeah and you mitigate against it but yeah as a general rule you try to avoid like you, you know when something mass and mainstream is happening and you try and give out a you try and give out a bit of a bit of a wide breath but other than that you should be you should be you should be confident that you're timing it right not worried about what everyone else is doing so greg what what would you say makes you a good creative every day no i don't know um i think there's a couple of things there's a couple of things that i think background wise are quite nice like i yeah. think I've, I've i've had a very like mixed upbringing where i've been both I've spent like like my I've had times where I've been like in like really nice settings where like my I lived with my nan for a bit and they lived in a big house in the countryside and I had a very idyllic rural upbringing and then my mum's always lived in the centre of London and so and that was different I remember like I remember I've had everything from like the I've basically if you think about it in terms of baked beans I've had everything from Heinz homegrown to special ones to the Sainsbury's value ones which at the time were like economy white stick with the blue ribbon around the side and it just means that I've seen quite a lot of different things yeah and like from being like it and, and it gives you quite a unique take on at least like the human experience so I think I think I think I think I'm quite a good empath and Mm. I can relate to people quite well. And if I don't, I then take a lot of pride in making sure that I'm well read and like, 
So that's something I think I'm really good at. But the other, I think I've got better at this as I've got older. It's also recognizing that there are people around you who are better than you at other things and shamelessly borrowing and stealing from them when you can. And mm. going in, but like, I mean, look, we've worked together enough. Like, you should be able to tell me that as well. Well, <laughs> I did, knowing, knowing I was going to ask that, I did, like, and I was going to try and weave it into the introduction. Um, but then I thought I'll, I'll ask you. But yeah, I mean, I, I, my response to why is Greg good is I think you've got no ego, which I think is really important. I really like, I guess that comes in when you say you don't mind collaborating, getting ideas from other people. I think you call it how it is, um, again, which is great. And, and the, there is that side of you that I've seen, which it goes back to the baked beans. I think you are kind of a bit of a, a man of the people in a way. <laughs> a you know, I think you're, you're, you're not in a, kind of you know london bubble you kind of seem to be a bit more worldly which oh, i think must cheers, be a, must be quite a strength for trying to you know sell in stories that are going to be read in yeah somewhere else. I, I think well firstly thank you i'm now blushing um <laughs> which is not ideal with this t-shirt but and if you're just listening to it the t-shirt's pink um <laughs> but yeah no i think i think it is i i, I i'm I'm glad you said that because I hate other. I hate the creative stereotype. Like I'm not. Uh, <laughs> we're in a studio in Hoxton. Um, <laughs> I'm not normally a skinny jean latte wearer. Yeah. Like, I, I think like creativity. It's like I think we've spoken about this with Can. I find it like I don't need to be patted on the back by other creatives. I would like your nan to see it and be mm. like, that was really clever. And like they're the campaigns to me that matter. And like I'd rather be told by. I'd, the best thing that's ever happened to me career-wise is not so much like these big award wins and stuff like that. It's when one of your mates puts it in a WhatsApp group who knows nothing about PR and be like, oh my God, do you see this thing that Just Eat did? It's like, this is really funny. I'm like, ha that was me. And, and then they immediately hate it on principle. <laughs> like, so it was, um, so yeah, like, so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful you said that because I, I think that's the, it's the thing that I, yeah, I do rate about myself. It's like I, I very proudly take and like, you also like if I allow me to be briefly woke. It's like you also have a responsibility as a white bloke, who is like by sort of accidental definition middle class. Mm. It's like to make sure you're really well read, and so you do understand. Like you're never going to you're never going to match lived experience, but you can do your very best to source from as many different sources as humanly possible to help inform your idea. And I think the the, the campaign I got the most. That I think it's the single most awarded I've ever done was was a campaign for which was to help the um, the LGBTQIA plus community, and the reason I'm so proud of that is because of the amount of work that went into. Can we please make sure we're not getting this wrong? Like, yeah. and yeah, and it wasn't just a case of asking, right? Ask the ask the two gay guys in the office. It was a case of really making sure you teach mm. you teach because it's like it's like that you see it from. Like you've got Douglas Murray, who is an openly gay man, who is slightly, slightly, slightly right of most horrible dictators, and he thinks a certain way. To what I would represent, like to someone like Joe Lycett, who is also and like that is a completely that is, I think you can fall into a massive trap of grouping people as the same, mm. and even within within subgenres and subsections and other demographics, there's so many variants that you've got to really work hard and be well read to to appreciate them all and and even then you might not get it right and but you c or the best you can do is try yeah and if you're saying you know the best 
campaigns and ideas are the ones that spark emotion you need to know the audience don't you and you need to understand yeah. how and they it, think and what is going to spark that emotion and if and you can learn that's the other thing that i so well i occasionally get a bit frustrated when it's it's sort of like it's, the answer to diversity isn't always just like throw more diverse people at it it's like you can learn yourself and you need to take those experiences on but I don't like people to say like, oh, the solution to diversity is to get more diversity at every possible thing. It's like that should be that's one part of the solution. The other part of the solution is you train yourself, you read, you make sure that you 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 do your own research. So when you are bringing in more diversity, you're not bringing it in for tokenistic purposes. You're bringing it in because you really like are valuing the work that's gone into it, and you're valuing their experiences, and you're bringing it in. And I don't think that necessarily. I think that can be a really powerful way of doing really great work is to like yeah just crowdsource it like mm. i don't know why you wouldn't and i think that's the difference between being a creative and a creative director if you source and stuff like i said like my my creative black weak spot is 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 tech related stuff like it's i've got one lad who who works as who like he's he's the one that's worked out how to use ai really well and he's like got thing going through and i've just got a little bit of a it just doesn't interest me much like i've mm. never been like personally i've never been like a tech head it's like when if like i've just about got a pair of airpods now and that's only because like everyone had them and i just felt like a bit of a lemming not having them yeah, like, having just, wires. yeah it's just school, all, yeah. like i'm just yeah, like <laughs> they work yeah. <laughs> like, it, like, don't lose them yeah and it's just like whereas like my passions or obsessions are in different places so i've got mm. a bit of a blind spot to tech but that doesn't mean that we don't do tech ideas. It's yeah. like, it means you've got to work especially hard at tech. You know ideas. that, you can bring it in. Yeah. yeah. So I guess when, when just going back, when you were talking about your creative process, you say you're not necessarily process driven. Sounds like there is a part that is a bit of an immersion. So yes. Is that the right word? Or is that the yeah, no, word? I knew what yeah. you meant. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, whether it's, you know, re doing something aimed at a particular community or section or you know tech heads yeah i guess there is a part of it that you just need to what, what do you do just you said reading a lot do you have to kind of take yourself away bury yourself in yeah a tribe like, and I've, read I think, about them learn about i them. think i've also yeah so you do a lot about yourself and you should do like I, i'm lucky i work with and have worked with like really good strategists as well so i currently work with a guy called dan deeks osborne who is brilliant and he's a real like obsessive on research and storytelling coming out before that um you would have met her i'm sure but like lucy hart who is just she's much more sort of she's i would say she's more of a humanist strategist in that she really she knows the human experience and she sort of brings it in and then would stat would almost use stats to back it up afterwards but you sort of get this essence of what's coming through and so yeah i think immersion is quite a good way of putting it because you especially if it's not in your sweet spot mm. you have to really really try really hard to get into it and I don't mind, like, if the situation calls for it, I don't mind doing focus grouping. Like, But the reason I say I don't have a process is because, like, I don't think you can apply a process to every brief you get in where you can apply a number of different techniques and tactics to a different brief. And I think that's probably the healthiest way of doing it, where you wouldn't do a focus group for a press office idea. You would do a focus group for maybe a big campaign idea that you don't know anything about. Right. Like, I probably wouldn't focus group something on football. Where I'm when you say focus group, is that with members of the public? Yeah, bring members of the public in. Like, so one thing, we've recently positioned ourselves as Mischief as a passion-powered agency. And so that basically means rather than looking at demographics and saying like, it's like the best line I've used to say is like, right, 
you are wearing a green shirt today. You are wearing a green shirt today, not because you are aged 24 to 40 and you are white male. You're wearing it because I like that shirt and that colour's worked well with me. You don't buy something because of your yeah, yeah. your age range and whatever. If you buy something because you're like, I like that. Mm. And so we tap more into passion to go through. So the way we start doing so we set up something called the in crowd, which is pockets of people that are passionate fans of something. And so example we've had a gaming brief come in we've now got on this in uh, we've got a gaming in crowd section which ranges from like people that are your mum who likes playing candy crush and flicking like on the tube home to hard and seasoned gamers who you can say to them like look this is the game this is what's going on what do you think of this what do you think of it and you get so they are experts in their field but not traditional pr experts they are with like with an with an agenda they are normal Mm. people and that is a really helpful way to do it, but you wouldn't apply that to everything. You wouldn't have to do it. And and sometimes you can back yourself on your own knowledge. It's like I, I, I can smell when someone has done a football campaign and the creative is not a football fan. Like I can get it like within a second, like I'll know. And it'll be what, just a little there'll be there'll be something. Like yeah. the word footy is a massive giveaway. If anyone <laughs> if anyone says footy, I'm just like, ah, right, you don't know what football is. Yeah. Like I just assumed that you're wrong and mm. like it's just like you'll get onto it. Like my, my case in point best example is Puma did I remember Puma doing a flash mob for Borussia Dortmund after they'd lost to Bayern Munich in the final at here, which I think was twenty thirteen. And it's my favourite piece of disastrous content of all time because you can tell what's happened. It's like, we were going to do the flash mob if they won and they didn't. Should we do the flash mob anyway? And it's just like, yeah. And it's, oh, it's like poetry how bad this content is because like, Jurgen Klopp's the manager of Dortmund at the time. Right. There's these guys just dancing and Stansted Airport. These players are devastated. They've just lost like, the biggest game of their life. And you can sort of see that all their facial expression is just like, okay. <laughs> And it was just like a puma released it as if it was good, and you were just there like looking at it, just like, oh my god, that stinks of Shoreditch. And it was just like, oh no, oh no, oh no. And it's like it released it, and all the comments on YouTube are still the same, always have been, of just like, why have you done this? Yeah. Like the players are visibly pissed off, like it's absolutely you just wonder what that like the amount of people that would have had to have seen it and signed it off yeah. you wonder and how not it one got football through. person did yeah. and it's like and you can tell and you can tell that it's like it's like it's funny, i was speaking to a speaking to a colleague who's black the other day who just said like one black person would have caught that and it's about um sorry no, i've got that story completely wrong it's just like it was about the um it was about ksi and um uh he used a p word on um he used a p word in one of his videos and you were like, and they laughed about it, and they got through, and say so it was that piece of content. Were like, someone would have caught that if someone should uh, should have caught that, and there was a power dynamic that's going through, and there's, and that's why crowdsourcing, even at a sign-off point of view, I think is really, really important to mm. just make sure you don't clang it. Yeah. How talking of clangers, how do you deal with feedback that's you, you know, you, let's say. You've come up with an idea you've fostered it you've worked it up send it off to the client or someone else in the agency and it's just negative feedback how, how do you take that uh you blame your production partner um <laughs> you say god that james at bear jam what a nightmare <laughs> his idea no it's like i think like pass the buck yeah. yeah it's like yeah you blame yeah you throw juniors under the bus as soon as you can no it, it's part of the job isn't it it's like you just I, so I would be, if you can't sell an idea, it's a bad idea. 
uh, or it's a good idea for someone else, but it's definitely not a good idea for the client who just decided they hate it. Like now, again, if you speak to other creatives, they might tell you about this one time where they really fought for it and the client wasn't sure, but they pushed it for it. That happens like once a year. Like it's like you'll know it. It's like you try and push back on a client. They're like, yeah, I just don't really like the idea though. And it's like you want everyone's got to be on board. And yeah. like I said, if someone who's like whose main selling point is like energy. If someone's like not got the same enthusiasm for an idea, I, I go off it, and it's like, and I, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think you need your client to be excited as you are, or at least in the same ballpark of excitement. So if someone's not bored, you go, all right, then cool, we'll have another crack. But it's, yeah. it, it's really important to know why they don't like it, and that's that's the bit that can be tricky, like because you can have disagreements. And like, so example, like Just E, I'll, I'll use as a working example because being the client has spoken about this at length. Like, I really felt that they should, they probably should have done something for Eurovision. It felt like a big moment. Client just isn't a big fan of Eurovision. Just doesn't. As, really, the, as the individual. You yeah, mean, yeah, as the individual, but right. also, but like as a cultural point, thinks it's cheesy, doesn't think it's cool. And my argument was like, look at TikTok like it's sponsoring Eurovision now they're really trying to make this more of a youth thing I think like that I think now is the time and we eventually agreed that like she basically said look I see your point mm. I I just don't think it's there yet and I'm like cool that's fine by me like that's a good discussion to have between park all those ideas for next year yeah I'll park it or like park it or give it someone else <laughs> like <laughs> it's just like that 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 was a grown-up good relationship which comes from a good client relationship mm. And I didn't throw my toys out of the pram. I just, I, I respectfully said, I think like that this is becoming more of a youth moment. You should consider it and be ahead but of. But we're things. gonna do a giant. <laughs> yeah, I no, think, and it's and it and it's fine. It's fine, and you you kind of do like I, I have, I I have one or two in in a career that spans like ten years where a client didn't like the idea at the start, and I really really fought for it. But you have those like, like yeah, maybe once a year where you're so convinced you're right, but you can be you just like is it sometimes it's not worth having that fight and it's like i don't i don't think you and that's when creatives get reputation for being precious and so again i'm really flattered that you said the thing about no ego because mm. like i think that's really important like i don't um yeah i don't i don't i don't i i, I don't get emotionally attached to ideas they're not my babies they're my vehicle to do my job well like mm. and i think some people get that oh it's my baby i love this idea i'm like Dude, it's like you work for a company, you don't even own it. Like, it's yeah. like, that's not your idea. Like, that is property of Mischief HQ, according to every legal paper that exists. Like, why be precious about it? It's a vehicle for you to do your job well. Do your job well. And if the client says they don't like an idea, like, do I put then they don't like your idea. So find out why they don't like it and then adapt it and go through. Like, you'll rarely get an insight wrong. That's the, that's the thing that it's like, if you get your insight right. Yeah then there's an execution to fall out about. Like, it's very, like, you've you've had a bit of a stinker if someone says, like, I have literally no idea what you're talking about. Like, yeah. that's not a true insight or you've just made that up or that's not been well researched or something. Like, that's when, that's a mistake. I think if you can do... So that workflow at Mischief is you've got the team looking at the insights, doing that research. They then come to you or the, uh, you know, whoever yeah. is in the more creative realm, be like, We've got this. Can you run with it? And then yeah. you'll be like, okay, let's get a group together. So, let's work it out. So it's, it's all collaborative between the strategic and the creative bit. Like, so say for example, it's like if you have the strategy guys should be doing more of the work to get you to towards the insights. But 
as a creative team, you should be coming up with insights as well because you've got to shape how you write the idea and sell it into the client. And, like, and then the executional side of things becomes a bit more creative. But then I think good strategists should be able to go, here's my strategy, here's my insight. And mm. here's how I think you could maybe turn it into an idea. And I'd be like, okay. yeah, good. You should be able to do that because if you've just done this bit and this bit and this bit and then it's like poof over to you, yeah. I suspect that bit isn't very strong. And so you you sort of finish it off. And then similar from the creative point of view, if you jump straight to execution, what you'll probably end up with is something that's stunty, but not very clever or well thought out or doesn't yeah. meet a target. And I I think... That's I, what I was going to ask. Like, do you ever have to backwards engineer? Because you, you've got a great execution. And I guess you're, you've already answered it by saying it's, a, it's stunty. It is then a stunt. Like, if you think of a great news hook or a picture piece or a little video idea, but there's nothing to back it up. Do you try and find something to back it up or do you just... I, I, I think you can. Like it depends, it, depends, again, it depends on how strongly you feel about something. Like I tend to... That happens more when you're like cold pitching or you're doing something for new biz. Like, right. Because I always think like if you're in a good new business pitch, the best new business clients in, who are all pitch runners in that way will appreciate that you're not going to nail it 100%. Because you literally have had them, you've had them for maybe two, three hours in the pitch process. You've had a brief, you've answered a few questions. Mm. So good pitch runners will know that you're never going to nail it 100%. So it's as much as important as showing you're working as it is. As it is. It's like it's GCSE maths. You get marks for showing you're working, you get marks yeah. for the answer, right? The answer, the answer you can sometimes get first and then it's how you show you're working. Like there is an idea I'm working on at the moment, which I absolutely adore, which was very much idea first, which was um, basically I recently discovered after Paul O'Grady died, the language of Polori, which is basically a language that gay men especially used to use to avoid detection, um, like when, when they were going about Soho. And it's like some phrases you will have heard are still used. It's basically gay Latin now. So okay. stuff like, Zush is a Polari word. It so if you zush something up, it's there. Donna Avada, like Dolly, Maduck, like there's little. Okay. After we've done this, I'll, I'll show you in the dictionary. But there's loads, and I was there like, God, this could be a great pride idea because it basically faded out. But like Julian Clary, for example, big big user of it, and like it's really popular in drag, and it gets used a lot in that coming through. There's a beer called Polari, for example, that's served in like loads of gay bars and stuff like that. So it's got this massive like cultural resonance heritage. I'm like. And loads of people don't know what it is. There are younger gay guys who don't know what it is because they've never had to use it. And so, and there's increasingly more of a historical appreciation for the struggle that came before in the gay community. So they're like, I've got a glorious something here. Mm. We should do a campaign about Polari. And like, and then it's just like, right, then you start working it back from who can we sell this to? Right. Because it's like, right, I don't think you can turn Just Eat's menu into Polari because it hasn't got <laughs> all those words. It's a little bit risky because a lot of the words are sexualized. And so, for example, cottaging is a Polari phrase that's come through. So it needs a grown-up client that's willing to put a bit of educational spin on it. And then we start to get into translation. And so we're like, oh, this could be fun. What about Duolingo? What about like Amazon and Alexa? Well, the way we're, we're doing it now is we're trying to work a way to make it work for Alexa. So you can speak Polari to Alexa and Alexa will speak Polari back to you. Or you could do like a little speech in Polari so you can see it going. It's just like that was an example of an idea that started at the idea phase and then yeah. it's just like, right, how can you run it back? So, um, so do you do you kind of just go through your day-to-day, -day, Greg, 
with your eyes open, collecting little things. That's really, the, you yeah. Know, they go in a drawer somewhere and then, you know, you might pull them out when the right brief or client or project comes yeah, in. Yeah, and like, and everyone's got their sweet spot, right? And it's like, and I, 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 I like under, I like un, uncovered gems, like, and I think because I think they they work really well for media as well, like. It's little things like if you go on the BBC News website, you'll see that there's all the serious news, and then there's always like third or fourth best read on the site is a fun human interest story. That's typically PR gold there. Mm. And there's also there's some things that just like work. Like it's say like you'll see an annual fill a pothole campaign. Yeah, always <laughs> works. Like I thing that I am obsessed with is village Facebook groups. It's like if you want to know what England is thinking, join a village Facebook group. And England is thinking, someone needs to fix that pot, fix the pothole. My reception is bad. I don't want to phone Mars to make the reception better. <laughs> is the three things that are driving this country. Yeah, and I don't want the roadworks to fix the pothole. Yeah, I well, Yeah, the roadworks. <laughs> oh, the roadworks are here to fix the pothole. The bastards. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and it's just like, and you just watch it unfold. And you just like, oh my god, there's so much. There's so many ideas on here. You're going through like, it's. You should just give yourself as diverse a source point. Like mm. I, 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 like I sort of say to the lads, like be like creative magpies. Like if you see something shiny, like pick it up and see what the crack is, and like dive into it a little bit more. Get a bit obsessed by something, and then like the more you're obsessed by something, the more you'll be able to flex an idea to it because you'll understand it so much more. Yeah, because you've dived into it. It's like Wikipedia wormholes are a good creative technique where you're just there, like, oh my god, there's so much here. Where yeah. You go? All the way through, like I saw, um, it's little things. Like I saw, McDonald's did a campaign I really liked the other week, which I think I think was either Ready Ten or it came directly from McDonald's. I didn't see, but they got uh, Alan Shearer recreated a McDonald's advert. Yeah, it done. was Ready Ten. Yeah, yeah. it was like, it, it was really good. Yeah, and I was say like someone has had the knowledge, and I think it was suggested it might have been Shola and Miobi, but to know that oh that advert was 25 years ago and like so therefore this will definitely work and yeah so recreated the alan Shearer yeah, advert from what, 25 yeah, years yeah and ago so it's just like so someone someone's had a blinder there and that yeah. is where most ideas come from where it's like so like the best my probably my favorite serious campaign we did at mischief was um was You're jumping the gun i was gonna ask you a favorite oh, no I'll, I'll shut it so, Greg, favourite idea? Oh, what a, what a seamless segue. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, so, I was just thinking about this. Um, but it's probably something we did for Asda, and it was called Delivering Kindness. And it was what I really liked about it was it won three awards, which were like the COVID Campaign of the Year award. So, we are always going to have that. That's a forever title, like, mm. unless it comes back again. But yeah. it'll be called something else by then. But so, we're still the COVID, we're the COVID title champion holders. Great. Forever, ad nauseum. Um, and it was based on an insight that, like, someone just said, like, the only person I've seen all week is my delivery driver. And, like, it just went, ping. And you were like, wow, that Asda's delivery drivers are, like, the people on the ground. Man. Like, that's unbelievable. Mm. Right? But, so we did a whole campaign around coaching uh, their delivery drivers to spot the signs of loneliness. And we relaxed, and it went all the way up. The reason I like it so much, it went all the way up Asda's, like... Um, what's the word a commercial operation like so they have really strict delivery target times and they relaxed them a bit so you could allow some time for a chat and so they were wearing badges that had um was it happy to chat on so they there was this sort of clear vocal dial clear cue that if you were been on your own for however long which was very true for loads of people who especially if they were um what's the word i forgot what the word was called 
Well, it was called when you were especially locked away. Oh, uh, like shield, shielding. Uh, shielding, that was it. Yeah. yeah. And so if you're shielding, like delivery driver with the word, I'm so relieved I've forgotten the word shielding. Like that thing. <laughs> Locked like, it out. Yeah, yeah I think that, that and unprecedented to go. Yeah. Uh, um, and it was magic, right? Like it was really, really lovely. And it, it like this campaign absolutely banged. And it just came from one person mm. saying, I saw my delivery driver. And then I remember this, this idea getting pieced together by so many different people. And be like, oh, we should train. They should do some training with the Royal Voluntary Service because they specialise in loneliness. And then it was like, oh, someone at Asda said, oh, let's speak so to him. Just MP. really game momentum. Yeah, and, and it just go go. And it was the, as the CEO launched it on his personal Instagram account. And so you're there like, that was buff. And that, yeah. that was and that was really. But I would love to have told you there was this like amazingly thought out process. It was literally it was someone came in and said, that's the first person I've seen, and it just set everyone off. Mm. And so yeah. I guess because you because the process is probably so ingrained in you it doesn't feel like a process it's like it's it's got to a level and it's like instinctive yeah i think so like i think your your ears and your eyes should be open right and it's like it's and you should treat yourself to as many different sources as you can and variety should be spiced and like and like yeah if on, on the off chance that there are young creative people listening that is like the one bit of advice i will always hold just, have you read these questions <laughs> no it's not what it is no, it's, uh, yeah it's just the classic do you want to Segway. So, Greg, any advice for younger creators? I was just <laughs> thinking about this as it happens. It's like, yeah, that is my wide source material. Like, everyone, good creatives are exceptionally good in their sweet spot, and they know what, like, uh, pff, they read Dazed and Confused, they read Hypebeast, they're super cool, edgy, like, you should also be reading The Voice, you should be reading Black Ballad, you should be reading The Times, you should be reading The Gardening Section, you should be doing every bit to get out like your media consumption should be wide and varied you shouldn't just be following on, on instagram everyone that you are personally interested in you should be following some people that really piss you off and you should do that for your own health as much as you should do it for creative excellence as well it's like see other people's lives and how they're living it because you're you are you're not here to do a job for 30 something white blokes like yeah. you who like football and Cricket, Putty. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not <laughs> God, it's like it's like you know the, the what's it the nails on nails oh, yeah. on chalkboard footy yeah. is nails on yeah, chalkboard. Yeah, so it's like it just does me in like yeah. But um, but no, that's it. Be well read, like it's and that, yeah. well read doesn't mean like. So how does that work at at mischief? Do you as a team? get all the papers out, sit around and read those? Yeah, so we still do that like every morning. Like it's, I, I don't think- How does it work, work remotely? So if you're in person, we, we try and do that in person. If you're not, it's like take a bit of responsibility, take a bit of personal responsibility, go through. We're, we're basically three days in, two days at home now. So it's, you see it especially effectively when it's people gather around and then there is- So is it all the papers, all the papers magazines yeah, just laid out, 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 out. pouring over bang, the bang, 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 bang. like this looks interesting and more often than not like most there will be the thing you've got to be a bit careful with papers is just like that's always yesterday's news like there's always something that's happened online that you need to be especially good at so i sort of say like look if you're a creative and you don't have twitter i think you're an idiot because like that's where people are going to talk about stuff mm. so if you think about what the device is so twitter is not as popular as it used to be it's still where journalists hang though okay. and it's still where they talk about it's where people talk about stuff and do hot takes on there so it's work it's really useful for that um so the tips are get on twitter follow people you don't like yeah like just dip into 
cultures that yeah, you di- don't di- normally... Di- yeah, just diversify. Join a village Facebook yeah, group. Join a village Facebook group is the most practical one. But yeah. like, diversify your list of media sources. And whenever you get a new... And, like, and that requires a commitment that really messes up like your algorithm. <laughs> like, But it's... You've got to do it. And it should be... It's like if... Uh, like the simplest thing to do is match your, match your clients and so think about what it is that they're interested in and then go through every what, so match your clients target audience yeah work yeah, yeah. out what that common and is. yeah work out what it is yeah. and, then, and then like look have special interests it's like why wouldn't you it's like i said i still like follow loads and loads of gardening stuff because we did we did a gardening project with avocado and like, i was i became briefly obsessed with where the story would land and then Every now and then you'll see something fly up and then that's come to fruition really nicely because uh, there was an idea we won for for Chase, which is a uh, a gin brand from Diageo. And there is some work we're doing there, which is all about being connected with the countryside. And by having these gardening things, I've got a really strong opinion on rewilding, which I didn't think I would have three months ago. And... Like, boy from London. <laughs> yeah, I'm there like I'm a yeah, it turns out I'm quite want a bit more green and like yeah. you you're right, you've got a lovely plant behind you, but it's rest of us, man, like we're cutting up. But yeah. it's it's just find yourself like yeah, just diversify your reading list and you will be a better creative. I love that. What what do you think you'd be, Greg, if you weren't a creative? Boxing promoter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Because I think I'd be really fucking good at it. Like I come I love puns. I think I've got enough, like, I know enough lawyers who would be really strong at it. And it's like bo- the best boxing, the best boxers have narrative. And I think I, there are currently boxers out there who are not as popular as they should be that I think I could make more popular because you could get the narrative right. You get the narrative right. I'd give them a sick nickname and make them a bad boy. I'd give them like one liners to say at press conferences. And it'd be really, really fun. Yeah. And like, I like, like I love, like, I love boxing anyway. But I'm just like, I'm amazed at how little it's evolved. It's like, even, like, I mean, Eddie Hearn has like really moved the game on. But even that is sort of, it's still an evolution of the same way of doing things. He's just done it a little bit better. Mm. Whereas I think you could go in and make boxing really, really interesting. And like, it's just, it's just fun, man. I just think like that, or I, I would do something. I've always, I don't know if this is necessarily what I would do, but I've always, like, I'm, I'm interested in politics, but the bit I'm interested in in politics is that like, I'm obsessed with how they can't sound human. And I'm just like, I don't understand how you are representative of a population and you're so determined not to sound like anyone I've ever heard of. Like, it just, it bothers In terms of the way they answer questions. Yeah, and speak like, on. but it's like Keir Starmer's a massive football fan, like, genuinely a huge football fan. And you hear him talk about football and you're like, I know you're a massive football fan. You've I've seen you play it. You've got a season ticket. Like you sound like an idiot. <laughs> like it's like Jeremy Corbyn, who like is like I'm a I'm a steadfast centrist. So Corbyn is like the antichrist to me. It's like he spoke about football so well. Like he sounds like a football fan. And I think there is a role that you could do for politicians where you can just say like I could bring you up to speed on the zeitgeist and just be like, come on, like let's just sound like a normal person. I think that would be fun. But yeah, boxing promoter. Or I'd be a journalist. Like I loved, I always wanted to be a journalist, but I wanted to be like an investigative journalist and no one's got the time or money for that anymore. So I was like, I, I mean, I love my, I love We could do a little investigative document, documentary together. Yeah, that'd be really fun. It would be like, well, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure what I'd investigate, but I'd, yeah. be, I'd be bang up for investigating something. Yeah. 
sure something to do with rewilding. Yeah, do rewilding boxing and rewilding. Re- could we rewild a boxing gym? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like a boxing ring, just go green yeah, ring. Like the first the eco-friendly punch there. up. Yeah. Like Green Party yeah. versus Lib Dems in an all-round mashup. I'd watch uh, it. <laughs> I know you've been somehow answering my questions before I've been asking them, so we're doing pretty well. Something that I do have down here is mentors. Have you got a mentor? Is it something you recommend? I thought you said mentor. I thought, yeah, no, occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, yeah, like I, 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 so I do mentoring and I have had mentees. Like it's, okay. I was really lucky. So when I've, I've also just had really good bosses, and so like I was especially lucky at Mischief. That my first boss there was is Greg Jones, who was eight, who was a creative director, who became a managing director, and so I always, uh, every time I've been at Mischief, I've always had that mentorship from a creative point of view from the person who's the very top of the business and that's mm. great there's and was that kind of structured or was it more you kind of saw him looked up to him and yeah like i think it was it was both it wasn't it wasn't by design it just sort of happened right. uh there are people i really look up to without doing formal men, men, mentorship like so i think there's joe sinclair at the romans who i think like who i i like the cut of his jib and like I think he. I think the stuff he's done at the Romans is really impressive. I like, I like how they think, and I like how they've got a great line of "We're bored of boring PR," which is I, I just think is a really good line. Mm. Um, so yeah, I have like peers that really, I, like, I really like. There's a guy called Mark Perkins who works at Cal now, but has basically worked at every big PR agency. Who I always follow him because he's a persistent, like award-winning creative. Like wherever he goes, if he goes to a big agency, he'll win like big awards if he goes to a smaller agency he'll win like low budget campaigns and yeah. like he's just got a good clean way of thinking and so i like that going through so how how important is it to look at like look over the fence at other agencies what they're doing what other creative directors are, are spinning it's, out? It's, it's it's both valuable and, and completely pointless sort of simultaneously right. sometimes like it's like so valuable in the sense where you might see something if, like if you look at them as a collective and you see, like, right, is there, a, is there a direction that we're missing? But, like, you're ultimately, your ideas are dictated by your clients. It's like, so occasionally I get, occasionally I get a bit jealous when I see, when I see someone getting away really banging ideas mm. for, and I'm like, if, and you almost, you have, you have this feeling of, if I'd got that brief, I think I would have probably come up with something similar to that. But I'm currently dealing with, like, a big client that is doing like three months worth of planning going into something that is a global strategy i don't get to do a quick win idea about this it's, it's just not there sort of thing yeah. so so you can be you can both look at ideas and go that's a cracking idea but without it chewing you up because yeah, you know i don't mean. currently have the client list to facilitate that yeah and then vice versa i think you go the other way so it can be completely pointless because you look yeah. at an idea go great idea i couldn't have done that there are some really helpful when you see ideas where you're like, like, oh, there seems to be a real thing at the moment for like, uh, for example, like I've never seen more Ramadan campaigns this year than at any other point in my entire career. Like it feels like everyone started to notice that Eid Mubarak existed for the first time this year. And I thought that was quite interesting. And that's something that I'll be taking into next year. Mm. And being so which, like, which brands did you see do something? Uh, well? I saw Adidas do something. I thought it was like sports brands lead the way quite well. But it's just also, it's just general marketing. Like I think I saw Tesco do an advert that was like, um, it was like a happy Eid advert. And you were just suddenly there like, I just hadn't seen that. Like you don't see that for Diwali, for example. I don't think at the same 
mainstream level mm. but there was um i thought that was interesting and so it's really it's really useful to see trends and to see what's bringing up and like also just to see what's picking up awards and what's winning and so like so i love like i like i love taylor herring's work because i think they are they are like i think they are they are number one for stunt based stuff i like and they've got they've got a style and i think it's a style that works really well and it's like they're very visually arresting and they are but they have the brands that accommodate it and so when you do unless it becomes self-fulfilling if you're yeah that, like and you get the right and there's also there's a certain type of thing where like it's like i and I, I need to word this carefully so it doesn't sound like i'm mugging them off but they have a they have a brand that is so successful for them it's like why change it's like, like so the, the thing that people will say about them is that they're all they're stunty and it's like yeah but their stunts are really good so so, what? Like, yeah. so, so what sort of thing and you're doing like a lot of their clients are publicity uh, publicity clients right so do publicity <laughs> like yeah. why would like you're mucky if you don't sort of thing so so yeah i think it's it, the short answer is yes it's really helpful to look but like you don't look in in a sense of keeping up with the joneses you look to see like if i had a client like that would i have thought like that if i had a client like that would i've done it like this and i, I think so what, that's what's, really good. what would you say is the dream brief to get or or is there such a thing um oh there's a dream brief to you individually but like but the, the dream briefs are the ones that are really well written. Like, <laughs> like you're, you know exactly what you're getting to. It's like my least favorite, my least favorite brief. Like you can have a like. So, if someone came to me with a boxing promotion brief, and it was, but it was a shambles, and you didn't know what the target audience was. That would be my least favorite brief, despite it being something that I'm really passionate about. I'd rather have a really clear direction. It's like my favorite question to ask for a brief is like, right, what, what's an idea that you absolutely loved? That had nothing to do with your your brand at all, because then you sort of get a sense for what the person's like, and you come through. But so I don't I don't really have one because I've had like I've worked like part of the reason I don't work in sports anymore is because I started to find it a bit boring, and it's the sport is seasonal and it goes around. And so like we were doing some amazing stuff for Under Armour and Anthony Joshua, and then it was just like cool now what do we do for another three months like it it's it quite hard to maintain that sort of always on because it is so seasonal and then you do something amazing again and then it's like so now it's summertime and what we're we doing like it's yeah. like i found it a bit i found it a bit dull so there's not a type of big i just think like you just know what it, like you know when you get a really good one like there's a cr like we've just won am i now if we're not allowed to say this, bleep we can me. Take it out. Yeah, like, but it's, yeah, yeah, it's uh, we've just won t a Team GB account for the Olympics, and that was sick. And that came in, and that was like, it wasn't just like yay the Olympics because I'm actually not that bothered about the Olympics. I, of, of all the sports in there, it's it's, it's there with golf for me. It's like yeah, I <laughs> care about it when it's yeah. a big one. Otherwise, I don't really care. But this brief was so clean and so well written, and it was like. I was under absolutely no illusions what the job was to do for us to win this. Was like, right, I reckon they're going to be speaking to sports agencies. So I know exactly, as Mischief is not a sport agency, how we pitch ourselves. We're going to go in as like, we are going to put you from back pages to front pages. It's like, we need these athletes to be famous, but not just at Olympic times. It's like, here are the ideas we think we could do it. And, it's like, and it was just a supremely well-written, well-counseled brief as we went through. And like, so that's... Yeah, I don't really care what the topic is as long as it's, it's really clear and what it does. So give me top three tips for a client when they're writing a brief. Ooh, good question. What should what should be in it? Absolute musts. 
So I'll start with what doesn't need to be in it, which is to don't over audience. Like, so I, I, I hate pen portraits. It's like, our target audience is Jemima who is this and does this and does this and does this because literally nobody lives their life in one way mm. like I am both a dad and a massive boxing fan it's like if you just said this is aimed at 18 to 34 year old dads I'm 35 like it's just sort of like does that mean it's not for me it's yeah. like in many ways I think I'm younger than my 35 and in some ways I'm like an old man like it's it, it, it don't over obsess about the audience it's about, it is a real basic point because what you'll find is then you'll just get a load of people that gunning it like this has to be Instagram this has to be here most important thing is what does success look like so are we trying to shift sales or are we trying to do a brand job or trying to think that is the single most important thing because it dictates everything mm. because I might have an absolute blinding of a blind of an idea for an awareness that delivers awareness, but it might not deliver engagement and then it needs a technical thing to do that. So I think that what sort of success look like has to be really clear. And again, don't over-commercialise that. Just sort of say, like, look, what's, what does your boss's boss want to see? Which is ultimately how we all work, right? It's, you can do something that, you can do something that was wildly popular and not wildly successful in terms of a commercial objective, but if your boss's boss loved it, it's wildly successful mm. and it's done a job and the people will always find the numbers to make it work. Um, and then I'm a big fan of examples of work that you loved and examples of work you hated. And that as a, for a creative is just like, if you find one of your ideas skewing too much that way and one of your ideas skewing too much that way, it's wrong. And within that, it's just like, look, what's an idea you've been pitched a million times and you just don't like? What's the obvious thing to pitch you? And especially that's especially handy if you're dealing with really big brands as Mischief does it's like what's the idea not to pitch and so like look we've worked with lego now for coming up to best part of 10 years seven i think it's, it's seven years but and it's like they would have been pitched by a, and i i bet every i bet that they, they would have had ideas pitched to them by other agencies and they'll be like oh why don't we do extra reinforced socks for lego because it really hurts when you stand on them and they're like yeah i mean you could do but that highlights a product negative and like yeah <laughs> That sucks. And, yeah, and we're yeah. actually we're a really elevated brand that talks about like the importance of play to children's development. So something like that will just be gimmicky and it's not right for them. Even though I think it I think in principle that is a really good idea because it's human insight. It's true. Like I think you probably could get a Lego stocking that would be reinforced. Well, like, yeah. It's a good idea. It's not right for Lego because they are so above that. Thing. So we, funny enough, we actually ended up doing a similar idea, but for a comic relief, we had like Jacqueline Jotha, instead of running over a wall of fire, uh, was it, you know, doing fire walking, she ran over like Lego for charity. And like, it works in that setting because yeah. it's deliberately funny and comic relief coming through. So that's a really important thing to ask the question because you could like, you could accidentally get a client's backup through no fault of your own. But it's just like, what does success look like? Mm. What does your boss's boss want? I think yeah, is a really questions. good question. And like and as I said, like just ask human questions. Like, so I I love it when you go on to all agency briefings and and especially if it's a competitive set. Like people are desperately trying to ask the the question that makes them sound the most intelligent. Like don't ask that question. Ask the question that makes you sound a bit thick, because you have to know. And it's just sort of like it's I like especially when I work with some of the MHP guys. I'm like I am the person that asks the most questions. Some of it like right. I know what the big talking points are in retail and stuff like that. I don't know what the big talking points are in cryptocurrency at the moment. Uh, but like, if people keep on throwing around phrases like bear market, I, I have no idea what that means. Like, it, 
tell me and so we'll go and so i think you can ask your questions in a human way not mm. in a business way with a and human way it's like look who's on your case about this who do you need to impress and if you've got a good client relationship that can come that question becomes one of the most important questions you can ask it's like you can have you can do like something that could have de delivered a hundred sales brilliant it smashed everything but if your client really wanted their ceo to be in the times deliver them ceo in the times do you know what i mean it's like ask the questions in a human way it's, it's a good tip good good tips yeah. so last question well it's not really a question actually it's more of a more of a mini brief challenge if you're up for it i'm always game so my day rate's coming up good yeah. <laughs> um, it's a quick one is there a minute rate yeah go okay so Creative Minds, this podcast. Yeah. Um, if you were to PR it, come up with a, a stunt or a little PR hook or a big PR hook, yeah. what would you go for? Oh, good question. Putting you on the spot. So what are we? We're a podcast. We're basically providing ideas for Rare Jam. I think, well, are we are we doing something to PR the podcast, right? PR the podcast, yeah. Right, sweet. So in which case, I'm going to go, like, there's two stunty options here. We're in the heart of Shoreditch Hoxton at the moment. I think you could do a giant brain, m like make a massive brain, but make it super colourful and sparkly. And I think you go for a visual stunt of this is where creative happens. You go, poof, 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 poof. So above this building, there will be a brain, just literally a giant brain. Maybe you don't even say what the brain is for. So people are like, what's the brain? And float it about a little bit. I think you've got to like, that's very to the point on creative minds. I like literal. Like I think if you yeah. go hyper literal, it works. Yeah, Alexa, our um, in-house design animation, she's working. What you can say, oh, Amazon she, she's, yeah. she's working on a logo for Creative Minds, and it does involve a big brain. So, again, so, so, I'm, so I'm on brand already. Yeah. See, this is why you ask the human questions. It's yeah. like, what do you want it to stand for? What do you want it to achieve? Yeah, just world domination for me. Right. So well, in which case, <laughs> what we might need is you matched up yeah. in a James Bond villain vibe. Okay. <laughs> like, was, like, <laughs> no, you had me at James Bond. Right, yeah, villain. No, no, no. Because he, he wants the world domination. Yeah, James okay, Bond's yeah, yeah. not bothered. Yeah. Like, so no, I mean, it's, it's all that you keep it simple, right? Like it's a it's a discussion about talk about creativity. Like I think you could go supervision on that. Yeah. All minds lead here. I mean, like purpose is everything at the moment. You might need to donate a quid for every listener to some sort of creative charity that helps minds mm. um but no like i think i think that's how i'd go i think you'd go visual for that something like this yeah. you are an entertainment i would take a leaf out of the taylor herring playbook and be like let's visualize what this is yeah okay yeah. well leave it with us yeah i think i want a giant brain let me know what the budget is yeah i find that yeah we just got a source of giant brain now but neither yeah, definitely not here. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the thing of like Monday Greg could have given you one, but yeah. like Friday Greg, oh, not yeah. so much. Greg, yeah, Greg yeah. Cruz got the job. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right, I think that's it. Nice. How was that? Mate, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Did you enjoy it? Thanks for coming. Was I good? Was I bad? <laughs>